Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the USL show. And it is the best time of the year where everybody thinks they can win the championship, but it's really just going to be Loose City and uh, San Antonio. That was the preview show. Thank you for coming by. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, it's that time of year. Everybody has hope and optimism, except for the teams that don't, and they're really down bad. But even then, there's a little bit of hope. And that's what everybody loves. It's like spring training in baseball. Even I have some hope for the Reds. We beat the Dodgers today. Will we do that ever again? No. No, we won't. And that's okay. Um, look, we have some familiar faces back. We have some people that are here every week. But before we introduce them, let's go ahead and get a little bit of housekeeping uh, notes out of the way because that's how uh, interaction stuff happens with podcasts. You're, most of you are going to click off in five minutes. So, hey. Kit season is recording this week, and they're posting stuff very soon. Uh, thank you, Hartford, for looking uh, for leaking your kit early. We appreciate you for what you do for the community. Keep in tune; we have some more Hartford news coming later. Um, and this Thursday, um, and it's going to be releasing on Friday. Uh, we have an interview with uh, Devin Amumensa from uh, Detroit City. So. We are super pumped about that and cannot wait uh, to interview him and talk to him. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into this. This is going to be a long episode. We're going to talk about the teams that have some dreams and some teams that need to be put in their place. And then we'll be shocked by later. Uh, Phil, welcome back, buddy. Hey, uh, yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, not kicking me out of the discord or anything like that uh, <laughs> i uh no happy to be happy to be back and uh you know i i uh spent this whole i spent this whole off season thinking i'm gonna i i can't wait for my return to the usl show to flame el paso locomotive and then we got our eyes on one two nil win over san antonio and i'm back on i'm back on the train baby let's go choo choo look out <laughs> <laughs> please note they did beat san antonio last season and we saw how things turned out yeah i think it was a seven i think it was a seven nil or something like that last season so yeah yeah we're it's we'll see we'll see hey it's fine hey this is like a time this is a time for belief belief and hope alan coming to us from the same apartment as last time yeah, still same apartment, still echoey as hell. Uh, but I am like equally glad to see Phil. Like, I think there was a, like personally, there was like a moment where it was like, if I was on the show, Phil would be like, oh, I can't make it. And I like took that very personal. Like, I could show up. Phil was like, mm, I can't be there. And so I was like, what did I say to Phil? Like, did I also, am I also El Paso, the team that I have to shun Phil? Is that what? So I am very happy that he is here and he's back. But, uh, yeah, everyone's in first place and everyone's in last place. So, like, pick accordingly. I was and... hoping you wouldn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, again, like I said, that time of the year. And if your team starts to bl uh, play very poorly, we can just do what we all do or El Paso does and blame Seriously Loco. That's just kind of – if if your team is playing poorly, it's Seriously Loco's fault. Everybody knows that. Um Speaking of uh, a person that has hopes and dreams, uh, a guy who's sitting in Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, who's about to join the USL uh, South Division, which is also known as League One. Ryan. 
Yeah, uh, my Wilmington Hammerheads haven't won a game since 2017. So, Phil, um, this is obviously your fault that they haven't done so. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy to uh, be back. It's been very hot weather here lately. So, um, uh, I guess hoping for cooler weather at some point. I mean, if anyone needs any clubs torn apart, that's what we that's what we specialize in. So. <laughs> I can't imagine tearing a club apart so badly you force a man to move to Japan. It's insane stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of tearing clubs apart, what about fan paces? John, what's up? <laughs> yeah, when I gave four teams failing grades and then and I my backheeled off-season grade piece and then tried to like post it on their team subreddits, that went over really nicely. <laughs> Um, my favorite one was the Legion uh, one that simply just said paywall. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the leading responses were, you're an idiot, and this is a paywall. I'm not going to read any further. So for everyone who got two sentences of Indy getting an A+, kudos to you. Not biased, by the way. <laughs> I love how you know that that's what people are going to see. Like, that's all they're going to see. And so you... See, John, you come off this nice guy, but I swear, like, every time you post, there's a little bit of, like, like just poop housing going on that I oh, yeah. absolutely endears me, like, endears you even more to me, because I, like, know that that's what you're doing, and I, like, it makes me so happy. So please, please keep up. Please keep it up. Yeah, my off-season energy is half serious, half, how can I rile up the most amount, the largest amount of people? <laughs> I, uh, well, yeah, you just wake up and choose violence. Posting right. it on the team subreddit is, is that's just aggressive behavior, and I'm here for it. Detroit took it well, <laughs> <laughs> as they do. Um, well, we're going to do the way we do this. So, we could do what other teams and other podcasts do with breaking down every single team. Um, for example, like a lot of the places that I will gladly admit that still content ideas from is John Boy Media. They are kind of on top of the you know sports podcasting world right now. Um, you know they'll do a thing where they break down every single team and they'll do it by twenty minutes. Um, frankly, they're paid to do that, and we paid to do this. Um, so, in order to not spend a two minutes on to talk about every team. Or making this a three-hour-long episode, i.e. USL League One breakdown from last year. I love you, Gio. Um, uh, we're going to talk about pretty much the eight playoff teams from both sides. And then we all have a storyline that from a non-playoff perspective that we want to talk about. You know, chances are we're going to be talking about teams that are right on the cusp. We are going to be talking about teams that are right there as well. But the main focus is going to be on the teams that are going to be there and in it to win it. Um, and the place I want to start first is you got to give them the respect if you're going to go for the king. Well, let's talk about them. San Antonio, I mean, we all think that they're going to win the USL or at least make the playoffs. Um, I didn't mean to say USL. Uh, listen. I'm I have an Alabama education. Don't talk about it. Um Rotad. Rotad. Um <laughs> we're we all think they're gonna make the playoffs. And let's go ahead and talk about them first. Phil, I want to go ahead and get to you first because hey, 
um, Copa, you know, Copa Tejas. Uh, we got, you got, I feel like you're a little closer to the, to the polls. Yeah. I mean, San Antonio fresh off of a, as I said, a two nil loss in preseason to El Paso locomotive. So things are not looking good in San Antonio to start, uh, the 2023 season. No, I mean, in all seriousness, the, the, I think the X factor here, obviously they return a, big chunk of what made them so successful um in in 2022 which is the core of that defense um and then some goal scorers up top they also return christian pirano like there there's a lot going on here and at the heart of it alan marcina who cultivated this whole like mentality monsters you know kind of stealing thunder from jürgen klopp whatever but like got a you know he he really like <laughs> to borrow a term from the British galvanized uh, the, the San Antonio side and really turned what seemed on its face to be a team that was just kind of eking out a bunch of good results and maybe not blowing teams away in the way that we have come to expect from those teams top of the table to really just a machine of clean sheets. And, um, and yeah, they just, they powered through the league. So, I don't think we'll see enough of a drop off or enough like change for the San Antonio side to definitely not enough to see them miss the playoffs in this new expanded format. I don't think that's even a risk um, as much as I would love to sit here and meme all the San Antonio fans in the comments. Uh, it's, it's, it's not happening They're They're in for sure. I mean, San Antonio was a team with 17 shutouts in the regular season last year, including a stretch in the middle of season where they had four consecutive shutout games. And they're one of nine clubs we had listed in our poll that we all of us picked as a just lock for being a playoff team. They're the reigning champs and just the expected preeminent favorite coming back into the season. Yeah. And if you look at what happened with their offseason, sorry to cut you off. Um, Obviously, you're losing players like Samuel Adeneron, uh, Santiago Patino going away, but they didn't rest on their laurels. They added, or they rather brought back Christian Pirano in a full deal. Nico Hansen coming in from MLS is going to be impactful. Kamarni Smith from Loudoun showed a lot of potential. They've got some more players on the way that I've heard about from various people that are going to be really exciting additions. So you keep the defensive core you at least maintain, and I would argue improve, what you're doing in attack. There's not a world where this team misses the playoffs and they're going to be over there right at the end of the season competing for a title. The biggest thing for me, um, and people see the Patino loss as this big deal, and you know what? It is. And, you know, he had this big moment in, you know, the in the final that was just was just gross, right? Like it was disgusting how good he was, but let's not forget that he was hurt for most of the season. Like he was just kind of out. Um, and you know, it felt like every time he was on the pitch, he did something well, but <laughs> how often was he always there? Right. Um, for me, the biggest thing there, and it's something that you talked about, John, is that that back line, you know, pretty much stayed untouched I and mean, they rotated the back line well but the people that you said were their bona fide you know bona fide stars <laughs> what do you i mean they didn't lose them so yeah they're, it's going to be ridiculous 
they're they're so good and also the whole mentality monsters thing they buy into it so hard it's ridiculous i mean if you go back and listen to the interview that john did uh with maloney uh earlier listen to that please um i feel like half the interview was saying the word mentality monsters i know i had to edit it pretty heavily um and half of it was mentality monsters being used so they are fully bought in on that like 100 percent. is there an andy king like edit where it's just him saying mentality monsters coming in the future because i would also love to see that that would be hysterical <laughs> i'm here for that i mean if we could get every interview from san antonio and mentality monsters just that phrase i mean you might be looking at at least a 30 minute video <laughs> i'd watch um, it <laughs> I, I do want to make one thing clear just from what's in the in the comments uh earl let's be very let me be very clear uh th this is praise but it is not said with any love it is said with the deepest deepest disdain i can muster in my heart just so you know it is said begrudgingly but it's just the truth so yeah i, respect I will that. say one thing that kind of uh uh, just like in a historical context for winning the Western Conference and advancing to the USL final is something that hasn't been repeated since World Park Rangers did it in 2016 and 2017. So there has been a precedent of it being difficult for a team going back to back. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move to the opposite side of the bracket. And I want to go to another team that we all think is going to make the playoffs. Very shocking choice by us here at the USL show. And it's the team that finished second in the league last year. Let's talk about a little bit of loose city. I'm going to toss it over uh, to you first, John. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to make the argument for why this team is going to be successful, once again, it's not hard to do. The only piece that they lost of major value, I'm, I guess you could say Napa Matsoso and Corbin Bone, but Matsoso played maybe a dozen games. Bone was replaced by Dylan Mares, which is about as blatant upgrade as you can get. That's one of the best creators in the league. And then you're buying in with the fact that Wilson Harris, Mishigalusa, Elijah Winder, Ray Serrano are all barely 20 years old. They're all going to improve. When Josh Winder is inevitably sold at midseason, they brought in Jordan Scarlett from the Tampa Bay Rowdies to fill in for those minutes. There's not an argument that this team is worse. And in fact, I think that they're pretty significantly improved when you're considering Cameron Lancaster is healthy from day one. This team is going to be a juggernaut. Can I can I say something that sacrilege and loose city people will hate me for? Yes. I thought they were better without Cameron Lancaster. Wilson Harris is really good. I, it, the thing with Cameron Lancaster is kind of the same thing that people have now are saying about Pep and Erwin Holland, right? Is that Erwin Holland's become a crutch, uh, become a crutch that they just want to put the ball right to him. They want to float it into the box. It's basically their home, home run ball. And you know what? For Cameron Lancaster, he's made a career and has become a USL legend doing so. You become the guy float one into the box in the 90th minute, and it's going in more often than it's not. But, man, when you watch them play with Wilson Harris, it is just beautiful. And they're creating more attacks. Is he as much of a talisman as Cameron Lancaster? No, but I also don't think they he 
it's as much of a crutch, if that makes sense. I feel like he opens them up to be able to do more. That said, if you're bringing in Cameron Lancaster off the bench, I'm not bless your heart, I guess. I feel so bad for you to have a proven goal scorer that can come in off the bench for your proven goal scorer. Sucks to be you, I guess, Louisville. <laughs> I mean, Holland still has 26 goals in the Premier League season. It's not like they're using him as a crutch. He's still a very talented player. You're looking at a Louisville yeah. team last season, had six wins that year where they scored four goals or more. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Nothing from you, uh, Phil or Alan? I mean, if anyone's filling out a playoff, like who's making the playoffs and they don't click Lou City every year, you're dumb. Like they're just death taxes and Lou City making to the East Finals. It's like, it's it's insane how consistent they've been, right? Out the out in West, you've had these teams that have kind of a couple years of success and then there's a down year and, and things have been moved around. Uh, but in the East, it's like you can literally set your clock to lose city making the Eastern finals. And so it's, um, it's one of those teams where you, you're never always convinced, right? There's like stretches of times where they start out poor or they, they have stretches where things don't look good, but you just know that they're going to figure it out and they're going to go on a run to get into the playoffs. Like they've done it before. They're not, they might not win the East every year, but by the time it's time to be good, they're good. And so if you're picking, eight out of 12 essentially like there's i think like four or five teams in the east that are automatic picks you know and, and the rest you can make an argument about and lose city is always one of those yeah i mean losing and like like john said and adding dylan maris to the yeah. to the mix is like such a game changer and he played he got like experience in the last lowry year and then the the hutch year as a like the most advanced eight rather than as a pure number 10 and he still was adding goals and assists like from deeper in midfield and yeah the the guy is a, a game changer and will be um i think in this Louisville side too i want to go ahead and move on and we're going to switch back so we're not necessarily going to do this Western, Eastern, Western, Eastern, but I do want to go ahead and jump to a team that was in it all last year, and it's no shock that they're good. But for me personally, this is the team that I'm most excited about and also the most confused by, um, but mostly excited about. And that's – I want to go to San Diego Loyal because you are seeing a roster come together that, again, you might be seeing someone who could dethrone San Antonio it's that good of a roster. Do we have anyone interested in San Diego on the podcast or nope. it's a fake city? <laughs> um, uh, we're, really fo- we're really, fo- yeah, we're really focused on Manny Machado right now. So <laughs> is there soccer? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, it, it's one of those like who plays where kind of deals, right? Until everyone's on the pitch playing. Uh, there is a question mark up top about who's going to replace some goals. There are some rumors out there about some names coming in, uh, but nothing official yet. Um, and then how good is the back line going to be, right? Those names are exciting, right? Kyle Adams is probably going to play on the left-hand side. Um, Akon Stoneman are probably your other three. Elijah Martin is going to be, I think, your attacking fullback uh, in the early Jack Metcalf. Uh, and then later, Nick Moon. But then where does Nick Moon play? Uh, where Not do you hard. play Adams, Corona, Martin, and you know, yeah. 
how do yeah. those work together? There's a lot of question marks about how you're going to get everyone on the pitch, right? Because you have, you know, 14, 15 guys that you want to play. So there's a, there's some question marks about who fits into the system the best. Uh, you know, how well does Coke Vegas do in the second year? Like there was some question marks about, you know, letting goals in and how much of that was on him. Um, obviously, Duran uh, Fear Ferrari um, had a pretty good run in the U 17s. Um, and so you have your backup keeper is a kid still, though. Uh, so there are a lot of question marks up in the air, but you have to believe that San Diego has the talent and the coaching to, to put it together. Whether or not they challenge San Antonio will come down to um, how well that back line really performs. Because uh, I, I think they're going to score goals still. Um, Ooh, Nicholas Murray has comments. I mean, he is adorably cute, and his hair is amazing. So that's <laughs> that's why I love Coke Vegas. Um, but I, I think they're going to be competitive. They're going to score tons of goals again. It's just how well does that back line come together? I think that's going to be the biggest question. Just thinking about the defense question, I, I mean, in terms of Coke Vegas, is that backs up in net? He rated pretty solidly below average by most of the advanced goalkeeping metrics. I think that underrates the fact that he's very good on the ball and his passing is so key to a very high possession system. But if you watch the U-17 World Cup, there is an option right behind Koke Vegas that can provide a lot of that same skill. Um, just moving forward to the back line, though, I've heard a lot of good things about uh, Ebenezer Icon in that back in the defensive uh, positions. People are saying that he could have like a Josh Yarrow kind of season that he really uh, didn't really hit the ground running necessarily at the end of last year, but with a full preseason, he could be a big deal. Ultimately, I think this team is so deep. Everyone knows about the signing that was leaked on like Google News or whatever. I mean, I'm not going to comment on that, but that's going to be a big deal when it gets confirmed. And I think it replaces Kyle Vassell pretty splendidly. So look out for this loyal team because they're the big threat in the West if you're San Antonio. Yeah, if you look at the last time Akon played was with actually with Josh Yarrow in San Antonio and their numbers. I mean, I'm not as statistically uh, amazing as John is, but a lot of the numbers um, look very similar to that of Josh Yarrow. And so I think that's the hope, right, is that he steps in because that was a huge. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that was a, a a huge hole last year that they were they were missing, like a, a, literally a Josh Yarrow size hole that they could never fill. And so I think that's the hope is that Akon can kind of fill in that that spot. I mean, uh, sorry, go ahead, Phil. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say I love Akon. I mean, whatever happened to Akon? Bring that man back. <laughs> he's he's lighting up Africa. <laughs> um. You know, I kind of want to just mention, A, if you want to know a little bit more about the Coke Vegas uh, and, you know, the the backup that we've been talking about a little bit. I can't pronounce it, I'll be honest with you. Um, Listen to Two Balls and a Mic. I think uh, one of the last uh, interviews that came out did a pretty good job talking about that dynamic, about both players pushing each other pretty hard. So check that out. yeah, I mean, this is a team I'm super stoked about. I really think they they can do great things. Um, I mean, they could go for the successful League One thing that happens, and it's we don't really care about defense. We're here for the vibes. 
Um, and that could just be San Diego. Um, and you know what? If San Diego wants just to go full vibe team, I'm all in on it. Um, but let's, unless you have anything to say about San Diego, Ryan. No. Okay. I want to move on and we're going to go, I want to stay in the West and it is a team that again, I am very excited about. And I think I'm a bit shocked by how much we were all rating them, even though I highly rate them myself. And that's New Mexico. All year long last year, we said, boy, they're not very good. They're really bad at soccer. And then they finished like fifth. And we're like, how did they do that? I thought they were sitting at the bottom because somehow they were good enough to not be bad, but bad enough to not be good. But coming into this year, I really like what they've done. And everybody who's seen them in person says that this is a completely revamped squad that makes a lot more sense. I mean, to be fair to New Mexico, last season, they out of their first 21 games, they only had three defeats in that time. So they really front-loaded a lot of their benefit to get into the postseason. And then it was more of a rocky second half of the year. They had a stretch of uh, eight games where they only won one in that time. But it's a team that when you have eight teams making the playoffs, you really expect this New Mexico team to be one of those eight teams. I think, I think adding a focal point for New Mexico – in Greg Hurst and even in depth, Josh Doling, I think like those, those additions feel like classic New Mexico where they had Kevon Frater, you know, uh, like sort of as that focal point. And I do think it makes the rest of the team make more sense when they have that person up front, that true number nine that can, that can play and score a lot of goals. I think the question mark in attack, because the names all make a lot of sense and they have a lot of exciting names. I think the question mark is how are they actually going to all work together? And is it going to cause like any sort of dysfunction in the rest of the team? Um, Because I think we've seen a lot of system changes from Zach Prince. So I think that's where I'm just like, I'm not really sure what they're going to look like. And if, you know, if they come out at the beginning of the season and have the sort of start that they did, that they did last year, I'm sure they'll be fine. Um, But I think it's going to also coincide with them settling on how they're actually going to play and not having quite so many um, changes throughout the, uh, throughout the season. I mean, New Mexico did beat El Paso in preseason, and El Paso beat San Antonio, so New Mexico has to make the playoffs at this point, right? Yeah, they're the best team in the league. Yeah, I think Right so. now, right, as of right now. Uh, I was like, that was the first one I clicked. I was like, they're winning the West. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, just um, sorry to cut you off again, Kelly. They have so much dynamism on the wings with Santi Moar coming in with a healthy season from Armando Moreno. I think the offense is pretty convincing at this point just because they cut ties with half a dozen forwards that didn't quite work out. They've really committed to some talented players. If there's a worry for me, it's that the defense and the midfield are maybe a little bit slow, getting a little bit up there in age. And this is in a Western conference that is so high tempo, has a lot of teams that are very direct. That could be the concern if I'm trying to 
argue against New Mexico making the playoffs, but they feel so solid that I think they're in probably as a guarantee, even if it's not that great a season. One thing with New Mexico last year, and I kind of mentioned it in my uh, preseason preview, is that last year they just hoarded every forward that they ever saw. If someone ever thought about being a, a striker, they said, we will sign you. And then they rotate them every 30 minutes. And then they're like, oh boy, why can't any of these forwards get into a rhythm? It, you know, that was something that was rough. And honestly, I think, you know, bringing that, you know, squad inflation and bringing it back down to a normal size, I, I think that's going to go a long way for New Mexico. I mean, Greg Erst is a guy who tore, who has torn it up in the past. We know what he can do. And he was in a bit of an unfortunate situation out in Phoenix. Yes, Phoenix. Um, and it it kind of was what it was, but letting him get a full season of being the guy and he knows he's the guy, not only will we find out what Greg Hurst really is, but we're also, I think, going to see a much more successful system out of New Mexico because it really felt like every two weeks we were getting a new system out of New Mexico. And it was like, who are they this week? Oh, they're playing a 4-2-4. And then the next week it's like, okay, they're back to playing a 4-2-3-1. And now they're playing a 4-4-2. And now they're trying out a three at the back system. Where did that come from? I didn't even know they had three center backs on the team. It it was just a weird season that New Mexico had last year. And I think having just the one one guy there is going to add more solidity to the squad. And like uh, Nicholas Murray has been saying in the uh, chat, it's really important that they bank a lot of their points early in the season. Just looking at their final seven games of the year, they have to have a run of games where they're playing the likes of Birmingham, Indy, Sacramento, and Louisville, and Phoenix in that time. That could be a really gauntlet into the year when it comes time for trying to get a home playoff game. I don't know if they want a home playoff game. They're really bad at home. I. <laughs> It always amazes you can charge me. more money for playoff tickets. It always amazes me that they lead, they led the league in attendance, and they were miserably bad at home. It, impre- it's borderline impressive. West Ham um, is the largest stadium in of any club in London, and look where they are. I guess so. I yeah. Um, I want to go ahead and move over back over to the East, and I want to talk about some a team that may has made some moves and they, I think they're kind of at the top of everybody's like sexy pick awards. And that is John's in the 11. They're they're everybody's sexy pick this year, but I also feel like just about everybody's looking at it going, yes, but you, so the way I conceptualize it within the, when you think about what Mark Lowry tries to do in terms of system and tactics, it's that sort of midfield diamond 4-4-2-ish shape, that 4-3-3 when you've got the number 10 really pressing up. And when you're filling out that team with Cam Lindley, Jack Blake, Aiden Quinn, Solomon Asante, Sebastian Guanzati, that's five all-league caliber players right off the bat. They've got a really good defense with Gustavo Rissi, who I've been harping on, should have been all league with Austin in 2021. Jesus Vasquez showed off really nicely at the end of last year when he moved to Indy. This team is stacked in terms of talent, 
and it all makes sense for what Lowry is trying to do with the system. And I know I just mentioned with New Mexico that if there is a potential issue, is that it's that they're a little bit slower, a little bit up there in age. And I think that is probably the one way that Indy could falter. I think Indy is lapping, or lacking in depth as well. But if the top line stays healthy, if they're able to execute in the way that the talent would dictate that they will, there's no doubt that this team is going to be competing for probably home field advantage in the playoffs at bare minimum. I I think this is, uh, I don't know, this is the team that Lowry, like, this was his wish list that he submitted to Locomotive's front office a few years ago and got told absolutely not. Uh, like, we cannot afford this. So, uh, no, he he's put together, like, a really strong roster, and I think the only watch out that I have is just based on how things went with him and Dylan Maris in El Paso in Maris's last season, Aiden Quinn is like a little bit of a lookout for me. Cause if they do end up playing that four, three, three, and he gets used as the most advanced eight, he got switched around. Sometimes he got played wide. Sometimes he got played in that eight position and it actually created enough, like, enough issues where Dylan Maris like stopped playing as consistently and spoke openly about the fact that he didn't like that he was getting moved around. So I think like the only watch out is Lowry is often very consistent. Um, but there is that tendency to like when, if something doesn't work in one game, like he may try something else and, um, and it didn't, it didn't work with Maris and it, it, you know, I think Aiden Quinn is a, is a question mark, but I think the other players to call out that they've added Jonas Feldberg, I think that's just yeah. like such a good signing and money. Yeah. And it is stunning for Lowry to sign someone 24 years old, but he did, he really like went for the, the youth prospect, <laughs> you know, really going out, going out on a limb. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think he brings down the age of the squad a little bit, but he also, he would, you know, 11 goals, three assists last year. Like he was, he was fantastic. Well, he, was an in, he was an indie player to start the season and then they loaned him to RGB right. where he just tore it right. up, which is right. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. It, it, Two season, the two season loan does wonders to mess with my mind, uh, yeah. and him terrorizing teams that I more consistently watch made me think that's a Toros player. So, anyways, yeah, I they have him back, I should say, um, in Indy. I mean, they open the year traveling to Outlang for Tampa Bay, and what is arguably the match of the opening weekend that I'm ready to see everyone's overreactions to after seeing that game. And honestly, the one match that I would have circled on is the final match of the season away uh, at San Antonio, which could honestly be a, a preview for a USL Cup if both seasons occur the way we predict they will. I mean, I'm, I'm triggered that you believe that people overreact the first week when teams win or lose. Like that's just Ryan, that's just a, a take that I can't believe actually happens in reality. Speaking of overreaction, uh, is it time to talk about loud and you nodded uh, or what? Uh, I will say one thing about Indy 11, one more thing about Indy 11. I think unless you're like one of the teams that have like a rivalry or whatever, I think for a neutral fan, like Indy 11 has the players that a lot of people are rooting to be successful. And I think Indy 11 is going to have a lot of like neutral love, especially out West. Like guys like Aiden Quinn, Jack Blake were beloved by their, the franchises that they played for. And so there's going to be guys or there's going to be fans out West who are rooting for Indy 11 to be super successful. 
Uh, and so it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how people follow that team. Cause I think it's, it's kind of like the Chicago Cubs. Everyone wants them to win um, who aren't because it's like, they haven't won in a while and they're, they're really good. And the players are really good people. And so you want to like, I think a lot of people are going to be pulling for Indy 11 this year. Tough for me to say that about the Cubs as an NL Central rival, but yeah, I see where you're coming from. I should say pre-World Series Cubs. I should have yeah. pre-World Series <laughs> Cubs. Everyone loved them. I don't even <laughs> like the Cubs after the World Series, and I was born in the suburbs of Chicago and am a diehard, so. <laughs> That's fair. Um you know, I wanna I wanna st- stick with the East just a little bit. We're we're what I'm basically I should have said this. I'm starting with the teams that got a hundred percent first because they're gonna be the locks and chances are they're gonna be your title contenders if we're just being real. Um I wanna go to Tampa Bay because dear God, what they have done with their roster is gross. Um you know, there's some news that's gonna be coming out at some point and it is what it is but it doesn't change that their their roster is disgusting and you know i think john and i talked about this at one point but tampa bay at their high end could be one of the best teams that the league has seen at their absolute best at their worst they're finishing second in the east like <laughs> they're gross. They're disgusting. Signing Cal Jennings, JJ Williams, Zach Haravo, you know, all world players. Oh, and getting an somehow an upgrade at goalkeeper. Um, you know, debate whomever the guy they signed it had an argument of being one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Sorry, Kyle Morton fans, he wasn't as good. Um, <laughs> but it. It's disgusting how good they are. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned the names that they brought in. Like, Forrest Lasso, three-time defender of the year, is anchoring that back line again. Jordan Doherty is a jack-of-all-trades wherever you want to plug him into a team. You can account for injuries or whatever, but the depth that they've added across the midfield, if you're thinking about what Charlie Dennis did moving from Tucson to Oakland last year and now enabled with the team around him in Tampa Bay, Ariel Martinez's veteran presence. There is so much talent in this team that they really are, they could field like two starting 11s worth of players and both of them would compete for the playoffs. It's a wealth of riches in Tampa Bay this year. I'm just laughing because when you look across the, uh, and John, I'm shamelessly using your season preview for these roster uh, previews, but the but yeah. the reality is like when you you la- you look across the key subs for Tampa, it's laughable. Like any of these guys would get into the first eleven of basically any other team in the USL. Yeah, like Jan Ekra, Sebastian Dalgar, Jake Ehrman. Like these are guys who right. would absolutely make a huge difference, and they will make a difference for Tampa Bay this year. But they would be the first, like some of the first guys on the team sheet in other USL teams, and they are not getting in, you know, to Tampa's best eleven, which is insane. Um, as good as I think the East has genuinely gotten better at the top end, like significantly, and yet. Here we still are, like with at the beginning of the season saying Louisville and Tampa, you can pretty much book it. Like, because if, if something barring cat, something catastrophic, like they, those are still the two best teams, despite everybody in the East basically getting better. 
It was said in our chat earlier, but I am very curious to see the impact of seeing the exiting MLS2 sites it's from the league because that was very much uh, a lot. I, I don't want to say free points, but those were very much games a lot of teams took advantage of for their seeding. And that it's certainly going to have an impact, as we had said, that the East, by and large, has gotten a lot better across the board. I think the only pr- people that are sad about the uh, the the Connor Sparrow uh, signing is broadcasters who can no longer make reference to the goalkeeper being the brother of Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, uh, Randy Rosarena. I think that that narrative is, is going to be used a lot less. So I think some people are going to be sad, but I think that's going to make an appearance during the open cup. Uh, but I think that's the only downside of the Connor Sparrow signing is no more, no longer referencing an MLB player. I mean, I do want to throw it out there that I kept, I did say that the Rowdies had the best of Rosarena. Um, and then eventually Ford Madison, where he was a stud. Um, but, you know, a, a shout out, by the way, next week is going to be League One preview. Look out for that. Uh, Ford Madison is good this year, folks. Um, if you want to so, circle two weeks for Tampa Bay to really have a lot of fun for and look out, it's Saturday, September 9th and September 16th, where they play Louisville and San Antonio back to back. Yeah. Call it. It's not great, but you find out pretty fast who you are as a team. That's for dang sure. Um, and we have two more uh, 100%er teams, and I want to throw it back – or, sorry, three more. Um, and I want to throw it out to a team that was supposed to be good last year. And then, well, they were Phoenix. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Phoenix. Well, I'll go ahead and jump on it since I literally have a Phoenix Rising shirt on right now. Um, this is a team that was miserably bad and very mistake prone for a lot of last year. I think when the Juan Guerra switch happened, they really decided on a system. They saw out a really positive end of the year and they've made some bold decisions in the off season. They've really zagged in terms of what they're doing with their player acquisition Yes, Danny Trejo is someone who's been impressive in the USL, but a lot of the players they've signed from Fede Varela, uh, Erickson Gallardo, Renzo Zambrano, the list goes on, weren't in the USL last season, but they have shown themselves to be technical. They've shown themselves to be talented. And I think this team is going to take a lot of people by surprise after the disappointment of 2022. I just want to throw out with uh, Phoenix just real fast. Sorry, Alan, this has nothing to do with the team, but with the USL show and then my personal like Twitter, it's weird seeing Brandon McCarthy and my mentions being one of my favorite pitchers ever. Um, and then seeing my mentions and I'm like, we aren't in the same conversation. What are you doing here? So thank you, Brandon, for, for being who you are. Go ahead, Alan. <laughs> I just want to kind of echo. I think what, what, the things that are going to be interesting is, you know, talking with some of the coaching staff in San Diego is like they knew how Phoenix was going to play, right? You knew how they were going to set up, how they're going to play. It was, I don't want to say predictable, but it was like, we know the strengths and weaknesses. We know how they're going to beat us. We know how we can beat them. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how the system changes. And I think on one side, Phoenix has all of these new guys that they're bringing in that might lead to some some weirdness at the beginning, but it's also, I think, they're going to bring a 
uh, unpredictableness to the beginning of the season for them, which I think is scary with how good their players are. That like, how do you prepare for a team that you're not quite sure how things are going to work out when they start the season? And so, I'm really going to have to. You're really going to have to pay attention to how Phoenix starts the season because they can start out really hot with really good players and then just get better. And they might be the Phoenix of old, um, or they could be the team that kind of struggles out of the gate a little bit, but you know, they're going to put it together. And so like, I, for me, Phoenix is with the new playoff format of eight teams. Like I, I just can't see a way for Phoenix and these players to not get in. Although, like I said, we got burned on that last year, but I just think that, they're going to bring some wrinkles this year that I think are going to make them really competitive and really hard to play, particularly early in the season when you're not quite sure what their system's going to look like. Yeah. And like uh, even continuing their kind of opening stretches, I mean, they have San Diego back to back and their sixth game of the year, they play San Antonio. This could very well be an early season, uh, this kind of test to see where Phoenix is going to lie in the Western conference and how they measure up against two teams we think are going to be the top two teams to beat in the West right now. And it is at least something of for these first six games, it's like I had mentioned earlier, it's something that we shouldn't overreact if they're or not where they should be as a team that you know, should get better over the season. Yeah. The question marks I think remain in defense. Like they've obviously added a lot of pieces that should could and should add up to what is a cohesive unit. But I think the question marks around Juan Guerra have always been that sort of cohesiveness in defense. And last year it got really bad. Um, Like, I don't think we can really chalk off like just how rough it was um, at times. Like they looked absolutely lost even against like teams that ostensibly are much worse than them. So that's where I think, like, obviously having a full offseason should, like, set them up a little bit better. Um, but this defensive unit coming together and being something coherent is going to be probably the biggest question that Phoenix is going to have to answer early on. I want to go ahead and stay in the West and round out our last 100 percenter. Um, which I do want to throw out that the West does in our mind have more hundred percenters that we think is going to make the, you know, make the playoffs. I don't think that really says anything about the quality of the West personally. I just think that it is kind of what it is. I mean, the top of the top is really solidified, but some teams don't maybe just don't, we don't feel comfortable with because we haven't seen it yet. Right. Um, But I want to go to Sacramento. Um, a team that you know won the hearts of many in lower league last year that made a run and they lost some key pieces, but the people they replaced them with, <laughs> you're not complaining. So uh, the the place I want to start off with, because we had a little, I just want to throw it, uh, Russell Cicerone. Um, what a freak, eh? Um you know, I understand they lost Foster, and that's a big loss. I think, you know, good on, um, you know, Colorado Springs for doing something right this offseason. But, I mean, C- Cicerone is starting for every team in the league, uh, just straight up. And I'm really excited to see how this works out in California. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, yeah go oh. ahead. 
go well yeah so i think i mean you hit the nail on the head kaylor with russell cicerone like the the reality is that they struggled to kind of find like what the answer was at striker last year so adding a guy with 29 goals over the last couple of seasons like not a bad shout um and the i think the level of their run um like i don't think there is a way to really quantify like just how impactful that was to this group and how like this group of players actually was elevated by like making that run to the open cup final. And so I'll be interested to see where they go from here, but they answered a big question by signing Cicerone um, because it was kind of where the goal is coming from. Um, And now that that is now that that's mostly answered then, you know, and Rodrigo Lopez like has a kind of someone to play off of um, that makes them a really, really potent force. You mean Rodrigo Rodriguez, that guy? Roro. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't listen, if you didn't watch that uh, postseason content, oh boy, did you miss out! Oh god, I, I guess I did. Is that local Sacramento media or no? That was national media. That was that was national. It, oh, well, it was something. <laughs> we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I mean, um, Sacramento to me is like a West fan. Um, is the team like that's always there and they're always a pain in your side and they're always going to be a difficult road game. They're like, you know, they're going to be good, but you kind of take them for granted as well. Like they're not like, they're never the sexy pick to, to do well, but they're always competitive and they're always a tough out. And it's just so gosh darn annoying sometimes with the way that they play and how tough they are. So it's I think Sacramento is very much how Phil feels about San Antonio, right? You you respect them, but you also talk about them with so much disdain because you like actually <laughs> kind of hate them a little bit. But I mean they're they're not the they're not like the the Louisville or Tampa Bay that are always going to end up in the finals, but they're always there. And even when they're kind of toward the bottom, you're you're looking at those road games going freaking a like we have to go play sacramento and sacramento right now the other the other player that i think like obviously he was on sacramento last year but i think his impact was maybe limited a little bit uh damia viader i think is a player that could be a huge impact on that left wing and there was there were some moments last season where it seemed like he was right on the cusp of that kind of like big breakout sort of signature moment he had a couple of uh uh yeah a couple of those he just a quality player super technical and like a great piece on the wing so i'm excited uh for him to have more of an impact like um if he's given the keys uh to that left wing back position yeah and mark briggs decided that viader had pretty much won that spot over duke and let him walk to colorado springs because he trusted in viader so much i think he's going to be an impact player this year I want to go, um, Ryan, do you have anything for, okay. Uh, I want to go to the last hundred, hundred percenter. Um, and after this, we're going to try to roll pretty fast. Um, because like we said, the hundred percenters are frankly going to be majority of your title contenders. I have a couple of caveats in my own personal opinion for that one, but 
you know, for the most part, these are going to be the teams that are going to be in it to the end, and these are going to be the teams that are super relevant towards the end of the season. Um, and that is uh, the last one is going to be out in the East, and that is Birmingham Legion. They're terrible. Kaylor, would you possibly have an opinion on this team? Never a good one. Um, <laughs> I, you know, this is a team that in the past traditionally doesn't know how to score goals. They take a lot of shots. They dribble like crazy, and then they just don't score. They have this ability to shoot but never hit the target. It's incredible stuff. Um, but this is a team that has addressed those issues. They've brought back Nico Brett. They brought in Tower Pasher. Oh, yeah, he's still around people. Um, and then, you know, they they are getting him in there uh, with, you know, Prosper Kasim. They have guys like Juan Agudelo. Yes, he's still around too. Um, and just a whole bunch of different pieces. Oh, Enzo Martinez as well. Um, that's a pretty solid attacking force on top of a guy who's sitting on the bench right now in Mateo Bunbury. And yes, we could have a Bunbury and Agudelo uh, striking partnership again, which is weird. <laughs> um, but he's a guy that was just on trial with Benfica for two weeks and they took a very close look at him and he's just kind of sitting there. Uh, the attacking side is sexy. It looks great. But even in preseason, we haven't seen it happen. Part of that's because Nico isn't around and Enzo has been hurt. But in the end, it is what it is. The biggest thing that if you're going to circle, if you're a fan from the outside, Johnny Dean's in Chicago now. Uh, he's he, arguably one of the best, if maybe the best, uh, fullback the USL has seen, at least in the championship era. Um, no longer around, and your essentially winger is no longer playing defense for you, and it's going to be a real adjustment period for the three sparks. I was going to say Alfonso Davies might have something to say about best fullback in uh, the USL <laughs> ever. <Yeah. laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he only he didn't play that many games though. Yeah, he he sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that was an Alan Koch era team, and Alan Koch isn't a real coach. <laughs> I, I do think if I'm worried about the Legion anywhere, I'm sold on the attack eventually finding the goals, but I'm not quite sure how you balance the five or six starting level players that they have into a coherent lineup. And then the depth in defense and in the midfield is fairly non-existent. Like you're really relying on those core Fanuel Cavita, Anderson Asiadu, as Cronale types to stay healthy. And if any of them go down, it could really be an issue for what this team is trying to do. That said, there's not really a scenario where Birmingham misses the playoffs and they have the explosiveness to really do it in the one game scenario that happens in the USL Cup. So heck, why not? I mean, I, I'm reading through John some of John's season previews, and both the online tracker and the preview, he has Birmingham listed first. So I think that's a positive sign for, for them as far as their success. King of the alphabet, yeah. <laughs> um, you, go ahead, Ryan. No, I, no, you have more expert knowledge on this team. 
I was going to say, guys, uh, going to be the left back, uh, Moses Mensa. go ahead, circle the name. I am such a big fan of him. It's ridiculous. He's going to be an insane player, and he's not going to be in the USL for very long, if we're being honest. Um, this is a team that uh, you're really missing, Enzo. Right now, he's out with a small knock, and you can tell the team is missing him because right now you're relying on Matthew Corcoran playing the eight. Um, which he is going to be good at one day, but he's not Bruno Lapa and he's not Enzo Mon he's not Enzo Martinez. He's just not, not yet anyway. He may be one day, but not now. Um, and you have all these attacking pieces, but right now you have no one to distribute to those attacking pieces. And I feel like that may end up being the Achilles heel in the long run. Um, it's a it's an okay start to the season if you're looking for that, if that's what you're kind of banking on, but the end of the season, uh, pretty brutal. So if you're a Legion fan, get ready for it to all far, fall apart at the end and us be depressed about it. So that's really cool. I mean, I mean, you speak at the end of the season, you have a stretch of games in June and July. That's kind of a, a tough stretch as you play San Antonio, Vegas, Tampa Bay, and Louisville all in a row. Not a good time. Uh, speaking of, and that's going to be Vegas in Vegas, which I need to ask the question just real fast. Who who do you think hates uh, Cashman Field more right now, USL fans or XFL fans? I mean, just strictly based on the attendance, XFL fans, because they did not go. So, and I mean, lights to their credit, like people do show up for those games, like... Hey, I went there for a bachelor party, and it was a lot of fun, and I was perfectly cool the entire time sitting in a luxury box. Look <laughs> <laughs> at you. All right. A luxury Let's... sideline mini mini pool or mattress. mattress. Yeah. We didn't um, opt for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to move on, and we're going to hit some of these teams real fast, and we're just going to kind of go in order, little blurb, and – I think probably one of the other sexy picks that a lot of people a lot of people seem to believe in. I'm I'm kind of out on them a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Charleston Battery. Um, I I believe in their coach. I believe in the top part of that talent, but I also think the top part of their talent is only about three or four deep. Ben Pierman is a wizard at bringing the best set of players. I think Emilio Acaza is one of the most underrated creators in the league. Augustine Williams scores goals for fun, and they're deep with, if not stars, a lot of at least competent USL guys. So that sells me. Aiden Apodaca was like criminally starved of any sort of service last year and managed to still score some goals. I think like him and him and Williams up top are going to be potent and i think you know detroit fans are are pissed that declan win is in charleston for a reason um that is like that was a a big coup i think for charleston to pull that off and type of guy that created a lot for detroit last year of what they did create offensively so i think adding that uh danger from from wide um in addition to a couple of strikers that were just begging for some of that service last year i think there's um yeah i think charleston up top going to be good and i i mean i think pierman shows like not a lot of us really thought that memphis was going to be much to be quite honest and he turned a bunch of guys into some of the best players in the league 
um, to where, you know, Miami's paying, paying Murphy big bucks, you know, down in South beach and like all that. So anyways, I think, uh, yeah, I, I do, I do buy, I'm buying Charleston this year, um, to at least not be the level of meme that they were last year, but they'll, I think they make the playoffs. And so, I mean, we were talking about the U 17 tournament for, you know, us players, but that kid they had playing with a Mexico team. Like I have, you know, people who like soccer going, I guess I'm going to have to watch Charleston battery this year. Uh, <laughs> Cause I mean, he's just, he's just so fun to watch. I'm bummed that they're not coming here. They're San Diego's going there, but um, you know, there, there's some talent there on that team. And much like Indy 11, I think there's a lot of, you know, old school USL folks who just want to see Charleston do well again, because they've been, they were so good for so long that they're kind of like, they were automatic for for a moment, and so it, it'll be nice to see Charleston playing some good soccer again. Just to get an identity back for the team, it seems like uh, they've gone a few years just kind of wandering here in the USL wilderness, if you will, coming from just a team that's historically been this really great program, and especially a former champion of USL that you just kind of expect a different level of standards for this team. I want to move uh, fast, and then we're going to stay in the East. I know three teams uh, in the East in a row. I'm showing my bias, I guess. But it's someone that Phil just mentioned, and I think it's a good segue. I want to talk about Memphis. Um, they're a team that lost arguably the best coach in the league that turned little trash into treasure and then met, as it found out, there were actual diamonds in that rough. But I am not sold on the coach, and they didn't address the biggest problem from last year, which was the defense that was essentially Swiss cheese that, in my opinion, got significantly worse. Um, they brought in every attacking talent you could ever want, though, and by God, they will score goals for fun, assuming their coach is not awful. I think you're harsh on the defense take there, both last year and this year, maybe. Losing Seagrist is big. Nyalog, you can debate, but I mean, someone like an Akeem Ward is really good. Jelani Peters showed well with Pittsburgh. Uh, Carson Vomstig was one of the bright spots in a Loudon team that was really up and down in defense. You're returning the whole attack, basically, and then supercharging it with Bruno Lapa. I do share those doubts with Stephen Glass, who is a pretty innately conservative coach, and I don't think that meshes well with this squad, but they feel like a pretty safe bet to do some damage. Let's let's put some respect on a Carolina Railhawks alumni. Yeah. NASL original. Yes. <laughs> why this is why uh North Carolina FC was relegated. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Glass nearly relegated Aberdeen, so he tried his darnest. <laughs> it is surprisingly, uh, it's uh, it's just surprising for a team that's usually the third best team in Scotland to then become bottom half and lose out to Hearts and Hibs, who are having a moment this season. So. I don't know. I, Memphis still is going to score goals, though. I think Goodrum was unreal last year. Um, if he is on anything like his return last year or even half that, like they're probably going to be fine to make the playoffs, I think. I mean, there are only two teams last year who scored more goals than Memphis. And if you're looking within the Eastern Conference, they allowed as the same amount of goals as Tampa Bay did last season. 
I mean, I guess I'm just not big on the defense they had. I just, I just wasn't. I, I don't believe in it now. I know Akeem Ward is good defensively, but I just don't. I don't see who they have in goal as being good enough. I don't see. Oh, thank you, Nicholas Murray, for posting that and just said it. That's cool. Um, I. I don't believe in their back line, but I also know that they are going to bag goals for fun. And that goes a long way, by God. I mean, <laughs> it, at the very least, the people at AutoZone Park are going to have a blast this year, as much as that hurt me to say. Let's go out west hey, again. Quick, People hey. forget that Graham Smith made the all-league team at center back, and he's back. Like That might be the most under-the-radar thing in the USL. It's true. And, and no one no one else signed for Memphis that might be a difference maker, Kaler, or is there Yeah, like in the attacking midfield, I don't like, know, maybe. Yeah, maybe like the number ten role. I mentioned him. <laughs> I've called him Judas on Twitter and we've moved on. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Um, now I want to throw it quick over, and it's it's I can't believe I'm saying this. It's one of the teams that I actually feel very sure about. Um, yes, and it, also Sebastian uh, Velasquez uh, did go over to Memphis. Um, I, I I want to see how that goes because his situation coming here was weird, and I don't just, know. Just how real quick on that, I I'm always going to live by the day where he was asking me to like scrape up his stats from 2016. Like reliving the glory days a little bit. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I mean, he might be the fourth best number ten on that roster, which it speaks to Memphis at this yeah. point, like being really deep, but also somewhat funny. <laughs> if you could bring my stats from 2016, we would be living in a much better world. <laughs> <laughs> um. I want to go to one of the more sure teams in the USL this year, the one the ones I actually feel really confident about, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Rio Grande Valley. I really like their squad. They actually have a squad, and it's two weeks before the season. Um, so as a, as a society, we've made improvements, and we all know about going down to the Valley. Um, it's where every good team goes to die. Um and they will get at least seven red cards a game, and they love it every single second of it. I, yeah, I, I'm like torn on RGV. I'll be honest, like, lat, but I had the same feeling last off season where it's like uh, they're not really doing anything. They've announced, you know. They announce the returners and all this stuff, and then they they have gone out and done some business. I I think I was maybe looking for like one more sort of like ah signing um, in terms of like them putting it together. I think the big question mark for me is if Cristiano Francois is Miami Francois or if he's El Paso Francois, because um, I do think playing on that huge field in Edinburgh is going to be a like a plus for him because there's going to be tons of space to exploit um, in their home games. But yeah, Francois for me is like kind of a question mark because he was obviously so, so good in Miami and then kind of had 
well, I mean, he had a bad year last year in El Paso, I think it's safe to say. So, um, yeah, it's a, that's a question mark for me. And I, I, I was kind of waiting for like one more sort of like, Oh, like RGV got him sort of signing. And I'm not, uh, I'm just not feeling it yet. I'm sure I'll eat these words. We're going to clip that. Um, <laughs> RGV to me, I had a tough time with RGV too. Cause RGV is kind of like that significant other that like, like cheats on you once and you're like, Oh, we're sorry. We're going to go to therapy. We're going to try to work it out. And they do it again. And you're just like, I'm not sure if I believe you. And like, but you still want to have that. Like you still love them and you want to like, but there's still, they just like hurt you too many times for you to really believe that that relationship is going to ever be solid ever again. And you're like, we'll be friends, but will you really be friends? And you're just going to be like acquaintances on Facebook that you message from time to time just to say, Hey, How's it going? I saw you doing that thing. To me, that's RGV. Like, I want to see them have a really good season, but like, I just can't, like, in good faith, pick them to have a good season or make the playoffs because they've hurt me so many times before thinking that they were going to be that team. Alan, are you, are you good? <laughs> <laughs> Is everything all right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> We're more in love with the idea of RGV. And honestly, if you're going to look at their odds to make the playoffs or to do anything this year, or it could be worth a long shot odds because RGV is just going to stand for a really good value. If you're thinking about like the relationship parallel, they feel like you're 30 years into a marriage. It's a little bit stale, but it's old reliable at this point. (laughs) This team is going to make the playoffs because Wilma Cabrera makes the playoffs and then they're going to lose in the first round because that's what happens. It's low ceiling, high floor for me, but yeah. I think this has been one of the best the best previews that USL show has ever done this whole segment of RGB. This has been... The whole, the whole league one preview just needs to be what type of breakup is this team <laughs> what type of x is tormenta it's not you guys it's me <laughs> <laughs> um you know a team that i feel that way about the team that i feel like has cheated on me so many times now and i just can't trust them anymore and i refuse to trust them no matter how much i believe that this year is the year that they will change it's the Miami FC. They have all this stupid talent. And what do they do? And I understand last year they finished, what they finished? Fifth, sixth, fifth or sixth. I can't sixth, remember. Sixth. Thank you. Um, and that they didn't even feel like they fully belonged there, but they did. But Connor Sparrow definitely carried them there. And now they don't have Connor Sparrow. But then they brought in really good talent from Tormenta. And they still have that high-end attacking talent. And they still have Bo Luakinyode, who is just all-world stud. But I don't believe in them because they're bad, but also really good. What are they? I don't trust them. Safe in the playoffs last year by a dozen points. People are going to be surprised at how good Zendayas is in goal. I think they've pivoted a little bit towards youth and speed. Moving on from Speedy Williams feels like it's bold, but he looked a step slow a lot of last season. And as you mentioned from Tormenta, Gabriel Cabral is going to impress some people in that midfield. Michael Salazar is the secondary threat they needed in attack. 
I think that this is maybe the sleeper in the East, and I've been buying in on them lately. I mean, it's a team that finished last year unbeaten in nine of their last 10 games, uh, ironically losing the the one game they lost was to Las Vegas of all teams. But I was going to say they lost the last one because they went out of the playoffs. In the regular season, that is. <laughs> playoffs are fake. I was trying to come up with something clever to say about Miami. Like they're like shots of tequila. Like they seem like a good idea at the time, but the day after you're like, it's just a giant mistake. But yeah, Miami is that team that everyone wants to buy into because the names on the, on the, on the pitch, but they're yet to be like super convincing a hundred percent of the time. And maybe it's just Miami. Like, have we ever thought about like, it just might be Miami, like the city. Um, But I, I was going to say, like, I do think that there's something to the fact that Miami plays in that stadium, which does it doesn't look good on broadcast. It doesn't feel I mean, it just you don't feel anything uh, like when you're watching games that are happening there. And I think this is a team that intangibles like we talk about all of these other you know we talk about stats we talk about goals we talk about we talk about all of these like technical things but the reality with Miami is I think I there is something about them at home where the vibes are off and like Nicholas said in the in the chat like they had a horrible home record and we're better on the road and I think like the vibes are just off at home that being said I do think they are significantly better this year and Cabral was a was a player that I wanted back in the day when Ian Cameron was going to be coming to to Locomotive. So I was like the, the best week of the offseason. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Back when back when I thought we were making moves. Uh, no, so yeah, Cabral is. I I think that you pointed that out, John. I think is yeah. Um, it is. They are going to be better this year. And the the only thing that that makes me that makes me think is just that that stadium and the dozen points clear in the playoffs in the East is a little misleading only because everybody was just beating up on everyone that missed the playoffs, which everyone was horrible. So anyways, I think the East is going to be a slugfest this year though. It'll be fun to watch. I mean, we can at least say they are the more successful team that uh, plays in that venue. FIU, you'd have to go back to 2019 to find them winning at least five games at that stadium. I, I, I yeah, Phil, I do think this year might be one of the first times where a Western team hosts the final because there isn't just that those extra points that you're getting all the time. It's going to be interesting, and I'm all for a Western team finally hosting the finals. But except um, for last year. I yeah, mean, San Antonio hosted. Yeah, but still, like it's like traditionally Basically. like East. It's like one year. Like they they San, last year was an aberration because San Antonio was the first number one seed from the West to make the finals too. So like I'm just forgetting last year ever happened because you know <laughs> San Antonio. It was actually the year that the simulation flipped to not being the simulation. Right. Is that why <laughs> free trial ran out? <laughs> And then, and then, like Nicholas Murray put in the chat, the moment that Yuma got sent off, we knew we were right back in the simulation. It was all running back like normal. I I was gonna mention in my closing, um, Yuma getting a red card in preseason. It it has like it's like smelling salts waking me up from the from the, <laughs> from the off season. Um, I'm I'm alive again. Mm, I mean, yeah, I mean, what a time to be alive. Um, 
I want to go over to another team, and this is a team, and we kind of mentioned it, that it's like uh, RGV. They make the playoffs because they make the playoffs. Well, they lose in the first round probably, but that's what they do. They just make it no matter what. That's Oakland. They they don't look good on paper. They You don't really believe in anything they're doing, but by God, at the end of the season, they're going to win like – Eight of their last ten, they're going to have a really good defense for no good reason. Their midfield is overperforming everything that's ever happened. They somehow have a top goal scorer. They're going to beat up on somebody in the playoffs and lose in the second round. Welcome to the Oakland Roots experience. They lost a lot, though. I mean, if you think about Otar Carlson, who was in the top three for the Golden Boot with more than 20 goals. Uh, Mikhail Johnson as well, who was the other Venezia Loney. Juan Azucar got 10 goals as a fullback. That's crazy. And he's out. Charlie Dennis to Tampa Bay, Juan Mayor to Phoenix. There's some decent replacements. There are some interesting players. But when you've taken as many hits as this Oakland team has this offseason, it's tough for me to see them back into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think they make it. Well, 60% of us said we thought we were, so... I mean, the way you kind of defense of the Oakland playoff round, eh? I mean, I mean, the way Kaylor really just kind of describes Oakland as a team that just gets things done is almost like a Burnley-esque style team that, like, you're never thrilled to be playing decide it's just that you have to play them and for some reason they're gonna you look it up on like a random week and it's like oh they lost this weekend and that's expected but then you get to the end of the year it's like how the hell are these guys in the playoffs they began last season winning one game in their first 11 games and they still managed to be in the postseason i love the roots i love everything about can we just shout out the fact that they basically signed the two best youth prospects that san jose had like two u.s youth national players like that is bold and amazing and what i love to see from this league if oakland san jose isn't even the most popular team in the bay area if oakland plays san diego every week they'd go undefeated I mean, that is, that is something. And I want to throw it to Nicholas Murray because this is my dark horse to win it all this year. Um, and it is Monterey Bay. I love this Win team. it all? Talk on that. I think that this is a team, this dark horse. Again, dark horse people. Um, I Yeah, I love their defense. We've seen what a defense can do with Orange County. And I... You know, there's a player that played for Orange County that we might hear about in a couple weeks um, that I won't mention. Um, but, I mean, they also have Alex Dixon, who is a freak of nature. And they also have proven goal scorers now, and everybody's healthy. I really, really like this Oakland. Oakland. I also like Oakland. Monterey Bay team. There's a lot of Bays, by the way. We we have a lot of Bay teams. Um, but I like them a lot. I, I personally think they're going to finish... Uh, where did I have them? I had them finishing fourth in the West, and I could f- see them finishing as high as like second or third. I really believe in this Monterey Bay team. I think I think they're a Chase Boone injury away from never scoring ever. 
I was just going to mention <laughs> Chase Boone because he went to the same like really small liberal arts college I went to, and so I'm rooting for him to be successful, just not against San Diego. I liked Did him you... when he was for San Diego too. Like I, I think he's really kind of found a spot to come into his own. It's really kind of fun to watch him to grow and be successful, and you know it's fun that he's from the University of Redlands, like D three like halfway decent soccer program, but I mean, go chase Boone. Yeah. My model is insanely high on Monterey. It has them like third with a bullet pretty comfortably in the mix for being competitive. And a lot of that is because what they did signing Alex Lara and Alex Dixon, who were both exceptional. I think they solved the fact that their defense collapsed when Kai Green or Hugh Roberts was missing a game. They still don't have a striker, though. Like, a lot of wingers, and Christian Valeski is fine. He holds up the ball well, and he serves what he needs to do in transition. But there's not quite enough firepower to see them into the top tier or even 100% certainty for a playoff bid, in my mind. Um, I just want to point out, Kaler did say if Monterey Bay wins a championship, he'll be getting a Monterey Bay tattoo. No. No, that's what, that's, that's what I'm reading. No, so can't no, take it, no take he back. already has it. He's like <laughs> he already has Newcastle it. Fan. He's like that Newcastle fan who already got a tattoo for the League Cup championship that they lost on uh, Sunday. <laughs> Luckily for that Newcastle fan, he just has to wait 272 years for the year 2300 to roll around, and then if they win the League Cup that year and play the game on a Monday, it would work out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> look I, I did not say that i this i this is also me coming from the same person that was high on uh vegas until i actually like looked at their schedule and fully went on their roster and then quickly yeah, wait, real mind. quick i gotta audit this are you the one who picked vegas in <laughs> no i did not oh okay someone else someone is a did, vegas someone believer. admit this then Someone had Vegas in. That was not me. This is wild. (laughs) I think it was Geo. I am fully in on that Geo joined the chat just to pick Vegas and left. (laughs) I was like, I don't remember who I picked on the bottom of the West, but it was definitely not Vegas. No. Mm. Um, Pato Bateo Faz firing Vegas to to a playoff spot would be some story. I mean, weirder things have happened in Vegas. Mm. Um, let's go over just real fast. Uh, there's one last team we haven't mentioned from the playoff pool, and that's a team that most of us seem to be pretty big on, and that is Tulsa. I like this Tulsa team, and it kind of goes against everything I preach on the show about proven talent. They do have proven talent, but they went outside of the realm and they went out outside the USL sphere. And most of the time I kind of hate when teams do that because for every one that works out, 10 of them end up back where they came from. But for some reason, I really like what Tulsa did, and I'm kind of a believer. Tulsa would have made the playoffs if eight teams made it last year. The only player of note that they got rid of was Lebo Meloto, who kind of old anyway. So you're bringing back Marcus Epps, Rodrigo da Costa, Dario Suarez, Bradley Bourgeois, Eric Bird. I could go on. That's a really good core. You've added basically a dozen players with good upside to fill out that team. You're basically relying on the fact that Charleston 
and Indy and Hartford overtook them, as well as Detroit staying ahead of them. There are so many factors here where Tulsa feels like they're going to slot into the six or seven seed. And in year one of a rebuild, that's fine. I mean, I, consistency is going to be the big thing for Tulsa this upcoming year. If you're looking back at their past season, only three times did they string together back-to-back wins, and only twice were they able to go more than three. Only twice were they able to go three games unbeaten, and one of those it was just three consecutive draws, two of which were nil to nil. But uh, like Tulsa, it actually they made the coaching change at the middle of June last year. And that really leads to like a really interesting point of like, could you see teams be more ready to make a coaching change as you have eight teams making the playoffs. And, and as we saw that an immediate coaching change, like we saw with Hartford bringing in Tab Ramos, it turned around their more immediate form very quickly. And they can see teams kind of wavering if the form drops and they need to get into that extra game. I think that's a really good segue to talk about Hartford real fast because they were another team that 60% of us picked to make the playoffs, but they kind of just missed out a little bit for some reason. Um, I This is a Hartford team, and John's a little bit higher on them, I think, than I am. I I believe... I'm missing the playoffs. Yeah, oh, LOL. <laughs> I, I feel like at one point we talked about it, and you said you were buying in. Um, I... They again, this is kind of what I said with Memphis, but like more extreme. They knew what they were doing offensively, but defensively they were horrible. So this year they addressed the attack and not the defense. The thing is, is you can look back at Hartford last year and they were good at times defensively. And that was when they were putting legitimately nine people behind the ball and just putting a big box in front of the goal and saying, you can't dribble around us. We have stacked everything. Um, but then they wouldn't score because, well, everybody was in the box. It's like those really bad FIFA experiments that ever, they put all 11 players in the box. And they're like, we did this on clubs or whatever. That's kind of the Hartford experience last year. I feel like it's going to be more of that this year, but they are fully said we're not playing defense. We don't like that idea. We're, we live next to the ESPN headquarters. We're going to give them a show. <laughs> getting the top 10 um i uh yeah i i i just like that hartford is like is going for it um i think the fact the fact of the matter is it does feel a little bit all over the place in terms of like the recruitment was a lot of guys that are known quantities in usl i think we've seen other teams like utilize other sources um to maybe build depth a little bit better um where hartford is good like all across their, you know, their best 11, but like, does it go deeper than that? I guess we'll find out, but um, I don't think they quite leverage like those other sources, like, like other teams around them leveraged, you know, CPL and MLS next pro those sorts of, and league one for pickups. It was a lot of, Hey, these are known guys um, in USL championship. So I think, I think they will be good. I think they will be good enough to make the playoffs, but I do think they'll be on the lower end of that. Will they be above 10 games, which was as many as that Tab Ramos won at Houston Dynamo when he was in charge? Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> 10 might be enough to uh, 10 probably makes the playoffs. 
To be fair, after he took over uh, Hartford, they uh, Hartford won 10 games last year, and Tabaramos was responsible for five of them, and he took them over at the end of August. When I'm thinking about this team, it sort of begs the comparison with Colorado Springs in the West, which is a team that we're time-wise not going to get into, where I think both of them leaned heavily into proven USL guys. And I'm a lot more sold on what Hartford has done, certainly. I think Hapano obviously led the league in assists. LSMO is basically guaranteed to get you double-digit goals if he plays a whole season at star, uh, striker. The defense, and I know it's a theme I've touched on a lot, feels a little bit slow. The center back core with Hodge and Tulu and Logue is talented, but I don't know if it meshes. I'm really out on Richard Sanchez and goal. He feels like someone that Ramos is bringing in from Houston, but doesn't really have the numbers to back it up. They're going to need a lot of offense. They're going to need Connor McGlynn to step up. So I can see a playoff berth happening, but it's not for me at the moment. I think this reminds me of the Western Conference in the before times, where it's like there's a couple like really top teams and then everyone from like three to like 10 might be separated. It's like, or like USL one last year, right? Like three through 10 or 11 are going to be separated by like two points. And like, it could come down to somebody like being healthy or not being healthy, a flute goal going in. It just makes it really hard to pick. Like Hartford's a team that could very well make the playoffs and could very much finish outside. Um, It's, I think this this year is going to be really fun to see those bubble teams because I think we're going to see a much more competitively balanced league than we've seen in in quite some time, and and I'm here for the stress, uh, I'm here for the you know biting fingernails, and and I'm here for the the last day of the season is going to mean something to a lot of teams. Um, big ups on the USL for making the final day of the season. Everybody plays their final game on the final day of the season. Um, that was something I realized when I was putting together the schedules and stuff that everything there was ending at the same time, which big ups on that for decision day being a decision day. I'm sure something will come along and ruin that. But for now, it's that way. They always planned it to be that way. Um, yeah. Nicholas we have Bryant, odd teams in the league. That'll certainly ruin things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, listen, uh, I want to answer Nicholas Murray real fast. I am weigh in on Joe Rice. Um yes. I his stats may look bad, but I I beg you to go watch film on this kid. He is really good. His distribution is solid. He has one of the better reflexes I've seen in the USL. Like his ability to make reflex saves are is kind of insane. He was put in a lot of terrible positions at Loudoun. Um, and I think that people may not see him as a top keeper because he didn't will them to anything. But also, I how could he? <laughs> I, I was way in on – I'm way in on Joe Rice. And uh, either Richard Sanchez has a resurgence in his career and becomes like a stud stud – or Joe Rice is, I think, about to put a lot of people on in, on blast in the Eastern Conference. 
it's like a five point difference depending on who I give starter minutes in my model. Like it's kind of make or break for Hartford if Rice gets the nod there for me. But let's see. Um, I'm just going to read over the teams that we did not talk about. We did talk about Hartford, but that's because they were right there. Detroit City, Pittsburgh, Loudon, our champion. Orange Counties, uh, Colorado Springs, El Paso, sorry, Phil, and Las Vegas, who somebody voted for. <laughs> so, someone did it. <laughs> I'm just somehow our champion did not get a single percentage of the vote, and we're all trying to find the person who did this. <laughs> I am uh, I am feeling a little bit hurt that Vegas and Colorado Springs had – an equal percentage as El Paso for making the playoffs that yeah, we're yeah, that, that tells you exactly where we're at right now. I, I, I will say this. There is, there is a world where Detroit city makes the playoffs in my mind because I can fall in love with that defense all over again. I I've done it before. I will do it again. Nate Steinwasher is my king. I will, you know, I will bow to him unless it's Nick Moon. He's still up there for me too. Love you, Nick. Um, um, you know, everybody knows how I feel about Pittsburgh. I think that's well documented at that at this point. Loudon, Loudon's a team I unironically think can make the playoffs, and it's not even a I can believe in it. I I won't predict it, but I won't be shocked whatsoever. I think. They're a team that could finish last or they could kind of comfortably make the playoffs. And I'm not shocked by the outcome. The West. Let me make that Orange County argument real quick because they I have them in the playoffs at least. I, I was going to say Orange yeah. County feels like the only team out of the remaining few that I can argue for. Right. So, I mean – when you look year over year, they actually improved their goal scoring pretty demonstrably from the title winning season. The issue was the defense collapsed. So now you're bringing back Rob Kiernan, who's back to health. I, I know Phil will love Andrew Fox coming into that back line. Marcus Nakeem has looked really good unexpectedly. They're probably four players deep at center back. Owen Lamb was exceptional with LA at fullback, one of the best players in my goals of upper placement model. He's going to be key. And oh, by the way, the Golden Boot winner is still at striker, and they've added a player with Europa League experience in Scotland there too. They've also got the young breakouts with Cordeus Indina, uh, Bryce Jameson. It just feels like there's a sense of momentum and purpose. They've uh, become a lot more capable on the ball in defense, which is going to help a lot in terms of those controlled moments in possession. There's more of a vision here, and that's what's selling me on Orange County. Yeah, the the Robbie Kiernan shout is an interesting one. I think he he did a great job of making teams one-dimensional, right? You take out the crosses, you take out the ability to put the ball in from the side, and um, now he makes you have to attack from the middle. And I think that if you could make teams one dimensional, they're easier to defend. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what this orange County team can put together. I think a, a healthy Brian Olosky is also a, a, if he can get healthy, I, I heard that he was in a boot the last time someone saw him, but if he can get healthy, I, I think he's another addition that wasn't in existence really much for orange County last season either. Um, 
you know, obviously Rakowski is the, and the goalkeeper is the question mark, right? Losing Rakowski and, and who do they start in goal? And is he going to be good um, is the biggest question mark I have for Orange County. And I have a feeling that they have something ready to go for that. Um, but it, it's uh, Orange County, I think is going to take a step forward and, and, and reclaim some of the competitiveness that just wasn't in the cards last season. It's not like they were bad. They were just losing by a goal here, a goal there, where they maybe would have ended up a draw or they're drawing games that they should have won, especially with the goal scoring. So uh, Orange County, I think, can be can quickly rise back to a playoff uh, contention team. Yeah, I mean, for the teams that we didn't really talk about today, I mean, we, we to be fair, most of these teams we have talked about extensively in previous episodes. This is supposed to be the episode that we talk about everybody. This is honestly our biggest and beefiest episode that we'll do of the year. Um, and we just, we cannot in good conscience push this to two hours. So to, to be fair, we've spent so many episodes being very negative about Pittsburgh and Detroit already and Colorado Springs <laughs> to boot. So I don't feel bad about sparing those fan bases. Some Not piling on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do so, have to I do have to apologize to San Antonio fans, but in 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 fairness, anything east of Phoenix is East Coast. Like San Antonio is closer to Jacksonville than it is to San Diego. So it's it pretty much might as well be in the east, right? Uh, hmm. Sure. I, I guess. I, <laughs> I'm not good at geography. And yeah, the math checks out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, next week we are going to have our League One preview. Um, we do want to give a shout-out to uh, Walk and Nani. They've already done their League One preview, so um, I'm not going to lie. I, I may cheat on some answers. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to listen to it and go check out Walk and Nani. Go get them a sub. They do some of the best League One stuff. Uh, League One Under the Sea also with protagonists are doing great uh, stuff as well. Um so we were on the lookout for that. Kids season's coming. And, uh, oh, uh, Devin Amumensa, we are going to be intervo- interviewing him. So be on the lookout for all that stuff. Again, if we didn't talk about your team, I promise you, once the season starts, we have 34 weeks to talk about your team. They will be discussed, I promise. Um, let's go ahead and do some closing thoughts John. Yeah, in terms of the plugs, uh, launched the first back yield article of the year for me today. So go and subscribe. It's $5 a month. Cut out one cup of coffee. Yeah, right. I mean, I like to think that me writing like 4,000 words about every team every week is worth that. But hey, do what you want. Paywall. Yeah, yeah, paywall. Um, shout out to uh, Sirius XMFC. I got to do a like national radio hit today, which is crazy. Um, and then in terms of other things that are going on, I'm going to set an alarm for the 3 a.m. drop of The Mandalorian. So I'm looking forward to that. Love that. Love that. Sub to all the things, please. Please. We beg of thee. Um, Ryan? Yeah, I I actually completely forgot Mandalorian uh, season three uh, drops tomorrow. Yeah. So I would um, 
that was a nice surprise to uh, think of earlier today. So certainly be looking forward to that. But uh, I had just recently started watching the uh, first two episodes of uh, Severance, which was pretty good. And I got a lot of uh, Black Mirror or uh, if you watch the YouTube horror series, uh, Backrooms uh, vibes from watching it. So, um, yeah, it was good. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. We're just going to leave what Nicholas Murray said at the bottom. Uh, check into Football Americas on Thursday. We're just going to leave it there for the rest of the episode. Yeah, they, they teased a big USL announcement, so I'm excited for whatever that is. I mean, it depends on what kind of tease this is. Um, it could be it could be our good friend Devin Kerr's tease of big news. Um, I love you, Devin. <laughs> um, Alan. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, watching. Uh, it's season 15 of RuPaul's Drag Race. We're getting close to the the end. Uh, it's been a pretty good season. I wouldn't say like the best season, uh, but still pretty good. And so I'm I'm looking forward to how this one ends up. Uh, a pretty solid snatch game this year. Uh, some good challenges. They just did the uh, the crystal ball, which is one of my favorite episodes when they do the balls. Uh, so yeah, if you're not checking it out, check it out. It's some fun TV stuff you have to contend with paramount plus though which is like uh it's on it's on mtv this year oh okay this season oh. so oh the, the current season the current season oh, yes. okay okay but all of the back catalog pretty much of just rupaul's all-stars and regular season is on paramount plus so if you have that subscription like go ham <laughs> phil um yeah, I guess uh, a couple of plugs. So for all the USL fans out there, my podcast, Seriously Loco, about El Paso Locomotive is going to be interviewing Brian Clairhout, the manager, tomorrow night. Um, so look for that on, I guess, Thursday morning. Um, so we're going to be doing a in-depth interview with him. Um, it's kind of our like yearly tradition with the manager kicking things off. Um and that'll start this new season of the podcast in earnest. Um, and Mika, my my co-host on the show, was able to make it out to the the friendly against San Antonio and actually got a view of some of the teams. So it has calmed some of the fears of just the the not knowing what the hell was going on for basically the last three months. Um, but anyways. Um, on top of that, uh, I've also got an article out there on breaking the lines uh, that got boosted today on Felipe. Uh, sorry, Moises Caicedo, not Felipe Caicedo. That would be weird. Um, Moises Caicedo um, and uh, his like all his stuff. So um, if you're interested in football outside of the States, then check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, in terms of watching stuff, me and my wife just completed a rewatch of How I Met Your Mother. Um the ending still 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 iffy on the ending. I, I, I appreciated what they tried to do uh more this time around without the emotional investment of nine years of figuring out who the hell the mom was. I'm subscribed to that subreddit and it's like a, you can make a drinking game out of how many people talk about the ending of that show. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. I've only watched eight seasons. <laughs> Pulled up just short. The arrested development treatment. Right. <laughs> and hey, let me jump in real quick with one more self 
uh, centered plug with the USL official website previews. Uh, Nicholas Murray put in a ton of work. I was lucky enough to be able to contribute a little blurb on every team as well, but this is like 10,000 words of really good insight from Nicholas. He's the best, so do read that. Facts. Please, please do that. A ton of work goes into you know the stuff that you will overreact to please check it out <laughs> um let's see uh for me uh okay first off uh go listen to ben goshorn's uh the emotional game like that they're, they're only five minutes long or less and it has made me an emotional mess every single one of them uh especially evans it, it helps that I, you know i, I know evan uh you know i but oh my god <laughs> it it is a it is a trip and you you need to listen to it it is just it's a masterpiece i please um and normally my song recommendations i go the classical route but i'm not going to do that this week um yeah i know crazy stuff um i'm changing as a human um a new album came out. Uh, George Watsky dro- uh, dropped a new album, and it's a really cool album. Uh, just uh, it, everything about it. The the last three albums, if you look at the title, they're actually, if you put them all together, they're all titled the same thing. And it was basically a five year project to have all the all of the uh, albums be the same continuation of each other it's really cool stuff um it's a fantastic uh piece of work and it's it's just incredible so yeah please uh please go listen to that it's a it's a guy who who's made a bit of a name of himself but is on the cusp of an absolute breakout and it's uh it's good music so i think that's it it's an hour 45 and if you made it this far uh, i'm sorry um, and to my co-host, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, I, I want to ask if there was anything else, but I'm no, we're done. Thank you all so much for listening. Listen to everything. Watch all the things. We appreciate you all be here for the league one preview and check out kid season, uh, uh, a go check that out. And for the last time tonight, please cue us out alan thank you for watching another episode of the usl show this and every episode is brought to you by the beautiful game network find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm once again thanks for stopping by and we'll see you guys again next week